0: as a minister, Um, we have gotten into something in the churches that I don't know how we got there, but it really messes, it's messed up and it's not, I don't know what happened, but it's called spectator type Christianity or comfort zone Christianity. And we think that somehow we pay a pastor or a teacher to be ministers and that's not in the Bible. So I just want to share some of the things in the Bible and let the word of God show you that after you receive the gift, you are called a minister. And there's equippers. The fivefold ministry are supposed to be equipping the believers to become ministers to do the work of the ministry. A pastor or a teacher or an apostle or an evangelist or a prophet—it's not their job to do the work of the ministry. It's really not my job to be doing the work of the ministry. My job is to equip you according to the Bible. My job as a pastor is to equip you so that you do the work of the ministry. So let's go to the next slide. Um, I just want to start with a story. There was a a Mrs. Dunn who came into church one day. And Mrs. Dunn, I don't know, can you get to the next slide? There we go. Um, come on, this happens all the time in churches because somehow we got the mentality that we can just come into church and we have to listen. Where it's excellent Spectator sport, where we come in and we're spectators, you know. And anyway, Mrs. Dunn comes into the church, and she sees all these people kind of like this guy, you know, kind of out there. Come on, all of us have been there. And uh, so she's new, so she goes up to the that one guy that was kind of half-sleeping and says, introduce herself, and, hi, I'm Gladys Dunn." And the uh, guy looks at her and says, yeah, me too, I'm glad he's done also. And come on, sometimes we as as Christians got that mentality. Yeah, i got to go to church, and yeah, I'm going to go listen to a sermon and listen to somebody speak, but when you look at the New Testament, they had love feasts together where they shared the body and blood of Christ and where they were built up and where they met daily, and there was love feasts going on because they were bringing souls into the kingdom, and it was such a celebration time when they come together. And the gatherings of the saints was a time of celebration, And celebrating Jesus. And so I just want to share with you in the scriptures. If you can go to the next slide, please. Um, This scripture, and I'm going to give you uh, several scriptures, but this scripture in particular says not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves. No, we received a free gift, and we received the Holy Spirit when we got that gift. Amen? So the power of the Holy Spirit is in us, the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. This thing seems to be going in and out. Do you guys hear that going in and out? Okay, I hear it up here. That's all. Um, so, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. So, God gives us his free gift and gives us himself. He has made us competent as what? So, he's talking to the believers. So, the believers are called what here? The ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit, because it's by the Holy Spirit. It's not by our works. It's by the Holy Spirit making our works good for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. I also want to share something with you. If you all turn in your Bibles and I want you to read this with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses. Uh, we'll start in verse. Let's start in verse 18. No, let's start in verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And everybody should have a Bible when they come to church, whether you have it on your iPhone or wherever you have it. I, I've always been trained and taught that, that when you come to church, we're going to be opening up a Bible or reading in a Bible. So from now on, I would suggest that it would be a good idea to have some type of Bible with you in church. If you I don't have a Bible in church, oh, well, never mind, I won't go there. That's just a pet peeve of mine, but its I think it's true because why wouldn't we have the Word of God? Because that's what we're going to be opening, amen, and talking about. So um, if you don't have a Bible in church next week, I'm going to take your name. No, 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 no. I'm teasing. Forgive me, Lord. Okay, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Everybody there? Okay, we're going to start in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in his... Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Got the free gift. Born into the family of God, we become a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We're a new creation in Christ. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. So he's brought us back. He's brought us back into the family. Reconciliation means you've come back together, right? Everybody knows what that is. Almost look at it like there's been a divorce and you've been reconciled back together, or there's been a separation and you've been reconciled back together. Well, there was a separation between God and man, and they've been reconciled. Man, us, and God. Okay, now listen to what. Listen to this next part. And it has given us the what? The ministry of reconciliation. He's given all of those who become believers after you receive the gift a ministry. And that ministry is to bring others into that place of oneness with Christ. He's given every one of you, after you receive the gift, a ministry. And that ministry is, is to reconcile others to Christ. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, basically not saying you're going to hell, I'm going to make a way so that we can become together again and become one again. Uh, not imputing the trespasses to them, and has committed to us, us meaning the believers again, the word of reconciliation. Verse 20. And now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We are called to be ambassadors for Christ. While we're on this earth, we ambassadors represent the country from which they come. We represent the kingdom of God, while we're on this earth. We are called ministers of God to represent him to the rest of the world. Every single one who's been saved. You've got a job to do while you're on this earth. You get the gift. And we talked about this last week. Every single one of us is going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account on what we do with this. This is what we're supposed to be doing. This part is, here's what you do after you receive the gift. Ambassadors for Christ... As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. For he has made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Amen? Amen. It's pretty simple, pretty basic. Um, Let me just make it as simply as I can. There's no such thing as secular work and worldly work. If you're filled with the kingdom of God, everything is for the kingdom of God. Matter of fact, if you bring up the next slide, I think the scriptures say that to us in this way. It says this, all life is sacred. That's my part, but I wrote that on there. But here's the verse, therefore, whatever you do, therefore, whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do some of it for the glory of God. So everything that we're doing after we receive the gift is for the glory of God. This mentality that, hey, we pay a pastor to go visit the sick. We pay a pastor to go lay hands on people. We pay a pastor to marry and bury people. We pay the pastor to go lead people to Christ is nowhere in Scripture. Matter of fact, when the epistles were written, other than the epistles to First and Second Timothy because um, Paul had something to say to him and to Titus. Who were they written to? Was it written to the elders of the church? Was it written to the pastor of the church? What, who, what were, if you look at the beginning of almost every epistle, look at the first two verses. What's it say on there? To the church. To the church at Corinth to the church at Ephesus, to the church at Colossae. Matter of fact, it even said to the, those in um, the Colossians to read the book that he even read wrote to the church of Laodicea, so there was actually other epistles written to other churches. But every one of them is written to the church, to you. And they're urging you, the believers, to do something. So let's go on to the next slide. I am move along as quickly as I can here. Um, and I know this isn't taught properly, and I don't know where we ever came up with this idea that let's get people in comfort zone seats and let them stand and listen to somebody give a sermon. Jesus did teach, and what I'm doing is, is teaching, and there's nothing wrong with that, and exhorting you, but I should be exhorting you so that when you walk out of here, you're built up so that you can do the work of the ministry. And people that are coming in, brand new baby Christians, are getting into the love feast and getting excited about Christ, and we come together as a celebration. And we bring in people maybe that aren't saved so they can get saved, but actually the salvation is all going on outside the church, and you're building the church. Matter of fact, if this church has empty seats, it's not the pastor's fault, it's your fault. Because you're the minister's. You know, how fast the church grows depends on how the ministers are working on bringing people into the kingdom. Now, granted, the pastor might not be teaching you well so that you can do the work of the ministry, so I guess it should be everyone's fault if the church isn't overflowing. Um, So the next slide. Basically, the scriptures speak of believers in these two ways. Those that are equipping, which are the fivefold ministry, they're always equipping, and every one of us should eventually be equippers because we should be building up and growing enough in Christ to become equippers and those that are ministers. So I'm going to read this scripture to you. Again, let me read the scripture, out of, and this is out of Ephesians chapter 4. Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. So these are gifts given to church. Who is the church you are? So these are gifts given to you all. Their responsibility is to equip you, or equip God's people, to do his work. Their job is to equip you, God's people to do God's work. Let me say that again. I guess in the New King James it says, equip them to do the work of the ministry. You are supposed to be equipped so that you do the work of the ministry. You are the ministers, actually, not me, <laughs> though we're all called to be ministers. So I don't know where we got this title, this clergy. And you know what? And it it started with the Roman Catholic Church back in the 3rd and 4th century. They began to have this dichotomy where they separated the holy people and they called them priests. And you better bow down and call them a father. But Jesus said, don't call any man father. That's uncertain. And so we started to break up like somebody's holier than you. I am no holier than the person cleaning the toilet over there in the back. We all have a mission and a purpose. And somehow we got this little separation going, that somehow, some way, that we've got to come and listen to a message. Actually, your your job is more than coming to listen to a message. Your job is to touch others with this ministry of reconciliation. Touch others with Jesus Christ while you're still on this earth. It's your job to be doing that. And whatever you build on that foundation of Jesus Christ, you'll give an account of. God so loved us that He gave us His only begotten Son, and to become intimate with Him and to become one with Him, the whole purpose is so that we can become one with Him in ministry. We are to run and make disciples. He gave us a, a job to do, but when we see that great commission, we always look at it like, "Well, that's the pastors. That's the." The church, which isn't me, that's that's the church. But even though I'm part of it, um, that's for other people to do because I, I don't feel right about talking to people about Christ. And, you know, they probably got their own belief. And, and you know, if I was to ask, and, I, and not here, it, it's not in this church, so I know that it would be different. But if I was to ask in some churches for everybody to raise their hand who's led somebody to Jesus Christ, who's brought a soul into the kingdom, who brought somebody in and reconciled them to God. If I was to ask them if they've ever done that to raise their hand, there are very, very few hands being raised. But that is your job. Why aren't you doing it? Why aren't you? Now, I know that you guys do that here. But why aren't they? is it that we're teaching wrong, maybe? Could it be from the pulpits we've been teaching wrong. You know, oh boy, here we go. I, I wasn't going here, but you know, we give like the people that teach from the pulpit, we give a name, Pastor, Pastor Neil. And give them a place of honor. And that's cool to honor somebody, just like you to honor a doctor, I guess. It's okay to call a doctor a doctor. But we've gotten into a place where we've lifted up people higher than they should be And we've downgraded the ministers, and so they think they have no duties to do. You are going to give an account to God and everything that you've done in your life after you received the gift, you will give an account for. And you are in ministry. And you're going to give an account on how you ministered in ministry. Hmm. So let's continue to read that. Their responsibility is to equip the, God's people to do his work and to build up the church in the body of Christ. This will continue. So this is going to continue, basically, until Jesus comes back or until the whole church is mature. But let me read it. This will continue until we all come into such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full, complete standard of Christ. That's when the body of Christ actually grows and matures, and they're bringing others in, and the body's growing and building up and they become in full stature of Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you, we are going to determine when Jesus Christ comes. We kept saying, Lord, come quickly. Jesus, come quickly. That was our song today, right? And I didn't get with the worship team to say sing that song. But I'm going to tell you how Jesus is going to come back quickly. When the church is finally doing its job and becomes full grown. And when the church becomes full grown, Jesus will come back. Jesus isn't coming back to weekly, mealy mouth church it says that he's coming back to a bride without wrinkle without spot he's coming back to a church that's activated doing the work of the ministry the fastest way you want to get home to be with Jesus is get the work done that he's left us on this earth to do and it even says in the book of Hebrews that Dennis used any used, that they in beginning of Hebrews chapter 11 at the end of Hebrews chapter 11 it says they did all these great things But then in the beginning of Hebrews chapter 12, it says they are a great cloud of witnessing, cheering us on, waiting for us to get our job done so that we can get on with what's going to happen next, which is going to be really cool, by the way. But our job is to finish the work of the ministry that they started. It's like a relay race. Is the church in the United States doing the work of the ministry? All the junk that we see in our government, all the junk that we see in our cities, all the junk... And we had a group go to Los Angeles. All the stuff that's happening in the United States, and I'll just use this country, isn't a problem because the church hasn't done what it's supposed to do. It isn't about, well, let's get out of here. We're going to hurry up and get raptured and the tribulation's coming. The real reason why we're in the state we're in in this nation or why we're in the state we're in in this county or why we're in the state we're in in our schools in Benzie Central or... Brethren are in this neighborhood that we're in the right. The reason why it's in the state it's in is because we have not been salt and light. You have not been salt and light. Again, maybe not this church. Let's go to the next slide. I want to finish reading this. This is beginning in verse 14 of the same set of scriptures. Ephesians chapter four. Then we will no longer be immature children. We won't be tossed or blowing about with every wind of new teaching. And, man, is there a bunch of new teaching out there. That's I'm, I'm hearing the church get caught up into so much stuff, even people in our own church. Well, tithing is Old Testament. Uh, the rapture isn't going to happen. There's no such thing as hell. And it's getting into the churches. I see big mega churches saying there's no such thing as hell. Why? Because you don't want to offend the people. And all of a sudden we're getting ministers who are itching people's ears And telling them what they want to hear so they can build the numbers. And so people are tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. You, the church, not you guys, but other churches, tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. Why? Because they've not been equipped to understand the doctrines of Christ. And they come up with these weird, weird things, you know, that are like... That doesn't line up with the Bible. Well, if you're not using the Bible or if you're not being taught the Bible, then maybe you will fall for this stuff. This little kid was getting into bed and um, fell asleep. And his mom hears, thump, boom, you know. She runs up there, and he's kind of on the floor. and She said, you okay? You fell out of bed. And he looks at his mom. He says, Mom, I must have stayed too close to where I got in. And many of us have stayed too close to where we got in in salvation and have not grown and not matured in Christ. And it's time to grow. It's time to grow in Christ. You have a job to do. That's why you're still here. You have a job to do. Each and every one of you is when you accepted that gift. No longer immature children tossed to and fro or tossed by every wind of doctrine or new teaching. Um, we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so cleverly they sound like the truth. Doesn't it say that? And man, is there a lot of trickery out there. Wolves have come into the flock, dressed like sheep. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. There's our example, Jesus Christ who is the head of the body, the church, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. As each part does what? What's it say? Harry is telling us that we've got our special work to do. We've got work to do. Yes, you do. Grace is a free gift, and everyone can accept that gift. But somebody telling you that you don't have to work after you receive the gift of grace, that's a lie. You have a job to do and a work to do. And yeah, it's done in the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't do it in your own flesh. And that would be by law, and that would be messy. But you've got the power of God himself living in you. The power of the Holy Spirit who raised Christ from the dead lives in each one of you when you got the gift. And you've got a job to do while you're on this earth. And so many of us get caught up into doing a lot of stuff because we want to get busy. And we fill up our days with all this stuff. I've had people actually tell me they were too busy to go to church, or they were too busy to be part of the ministry. I know Tammy's been asking for quite a while for helpers in the in the children's church. Well, I'm too busy. I, I, I'm too busy doing this and that. Well, you know what? I'm going to be very blunt with you. You're the one who determines what your schedule is. When you stand before God, are you going to be able to say, I was too busy to help in the church, help equip people? I was too busy to... To do this or that, you know that that excuse doesn't fly with God, because you're in charge of doing what your schedule has put you on. If you you're the one who took that extra job, you're the one who was working those extra hours or doing those extra things. You're the one who've gotten all those uh, different hobbies and habits that you have. That won't fly with God. You will stand and give an account of what you did with the gift. Let me finish that. Um, As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is what? And growing and full of love. The reason why there's so many anemic, unhealthy churches, again, in in the United States is because you've got 15%, maybe 20% of the ministers, the believers, doing what they should be doing and the rest of them are spectators. Which one are you? Which one are you? Seriously, I'm going to be a little tough on you today, but which one are you? Because it would be better to get this straight now than to stand before Christ and say, "You, you built hay, wood, and stubble upon me, and that's all going to be burnt up. And yes, you do get into heaven, but I gave you a job to do and a purpose, and I gave you my Holy Spirit. What did you do with it? What did you do with it? Mm. Again, in the King James Version, it says in verse 12, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry so that the body would be edified. So there's equippers. And you know that word equip? I'm gonna, it's the same word that Jesus did with the disciples. I'm going to just use that word equip. The word equip in this section of Scripture is the same word used to describe the disciples mending their nets when Jesus called them to serve. Mending their nets is the same word to equip. So when he called them into service, for three years what Jesus did is he mended the holes in their nets. He equipped them so that they become fishers of men. Equipping means that your nets are being mended so that you can do the fishing of men. Not the pastors doing the fishing you men. My job is to help your nets be ready so that your nets are out there catching. That's what equipping means. And then the ministers are the ones who are supposed to carry the work. Hmm. I wrote down this quote, but it's a simple quote. Salvation is the miracle moment. Hallelujah for grace. Ministry growth is the labor of a lifetime. And ministry growth is what area you're in right now if you've accepted the gift of salvation. Jesus Christ is our example. He's our destiny and purpose. We are to link up and become one with him through the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. Romans 8.29 says it this way, We shall be like him, for this is why we were created, redeemed, and sanctified, that we should be conformed to the image of God's Son, that we might be the first that he might be the firstborn of many brethren. We are to be conformed and do the stuff that he did, like he does, into his image while we're still on this earth. And as we're being conformed into his image, it's a picture of him being called into heaven like the firstborn of many more families that we called into heaven. Are you living as a family member in the family business, doing the family business? The New Testament calls every single believer a priest. We're all in the priesthood when you accepted the gift of salvation. And yes, the church has organization, and yes there are different layers of organization, but every single one of us our jobs are very important. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 12 what says is the eye important? Is the ear important? What about the hand? And if they're not all working together, what happens to the body? And I'm paraphrasing that section of Scripture. But what happens to the body if the eye isn't working? So you may be the eye, and the eye isn't working. What's going to happen to the body? Or the hands aren't working, even though the eye sees something to do. It can't do anything because the hands aren't there. Every single one of us are called to become together in one body. There's one body, one Christ, one Lord, one baptism. There's one church. And even though there's many... um, Churches and in many areas, there's one church of God. And every one of us are called in that church to be part of the body. And if you're an eye or a hand or a foot, if you're not working properly, what happens to the body? A well-known football coach, I think it was Lou Holtz, said this. Um, they asked him a question, how much um, does college football contribute to the National Fitness fitness? Uh, fitness, physical fitness pitcher. So how much does college football contribute to the national physical fitness pitcher? And he said this, this is his quote, nothing, and they asked, well, why not? Well, the coach said, and the way I see it, you have 22 men down on the field desperately needing rest and 90,000 people in the stands desperately needing some exercise. A similar situation exists in many of the churches today. When you compare members who actively participate and those who are spectators, it's pathetic. We're all acting like spectators, sitting on the sidelines, eating our hot dogs and popcorn and watching the show. And after all, isn't it supposed to be done by the professionals? 1 Corinthians 12.7 says that all all believers have their own position in spiritual gifts that they might exercise for the profit of all. So it's for all of us to profit in. The Christian life is often in the New Testament called a race that we run. And we run it to win. And we have to run like we're going to win that race. And the purpose of the race is to grab as many for the kingdom of God while you're still on this earth as you can. That's the only reason why you're on this earth right now. And if it doesn't line up with that, what you're doing, then figure out how I can do things that line up with that because we're all casting off seeds, just like this plant. We're all casting off seeds. And we're going to sow seeds and we will reap what we've sown, whether good or bad, that's in Galatians. I'm going to just go through a quick list for you, and then I'm going to close and give you some time to. I'm not going to keep keep you long today. I just here's some of the ministry gifts. Uh, you can go to the next. Go to the next one. All Christianity is not a spectator sport. It's something in which we become totally involved. Billy Graham said that. That's a quote from Billy Graham. Let me tell you what the Bible says about ministers, about the church. It says, one, we're supposed to, you, are supposed to rule or warn the unruly. Warn the unruly, yet not gossip with them or not come and run and tell the pastor. You are supposed to warn the unruly. That's 1 Thessalonians 5. You're supposed to comfort the faint-hearted, those that are hurting and faint-hearted You're, You are to comfort them. First Thessalonians 5 again. You're supposed to support the weak. And each one has a Bible verse. I'm not going to go through all the Bible verses. Abound in the work of the Lord. You're supposed to admonish and build up one another. You're supposed to teach one another. Prophesy one by one to one another. You're supposed to serve one another. Galatians 5. Well, I guess I'll throw some of these in here. You're supposed to bear one another's burdens and care for one another. You're supposed to love one another. Again, that's in the scripture, Romans 13.8 and 1 Thessalonians four 9. You're supposed to be devoted to one another, not devoted to your job, not devoted to your hobbies, not devoted to your life, but devoted to one another. In the early church, the power they had is because they met together daily in God. And that was their central purpose. Matthew 6.33 says it very simply like this. You must first seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all other things will be added to you. Not, I'm going to do all these other things and then I'll seek God's kingdom and his righteousness when I have time. That's backwards and it's wrong. And unfortunately, that's where the church in this country has gotten to. Let's make it easy for them. Let's make it easy, believism. Let's give them something that it makes them comfortable. Let's set it all up so that they can come and be great spectators. Let's build a big mega church so we can have a whole bunch of people coming so we can have this big old thing on a big sign out there. Look at this, how big we are. Look at how great it is because we got a lot of people. But I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of good mega churches, and I'm not going to say a whole lot of negative, but I've also been in some that it's all a feel-good message. And a lot of the messages I've heard, I very rarely hear the Bible preached. It's all about, well, let's make them feel good. And I do a lot of feel-good messages, but I'm hopefully using the Word of God to do it. I love to build you up in Christ and have you feel good in Christ. But it better be from the Word of God. We need to be devoted to one another. We need to show kindness and compassion to one another. That's Ephesians 4.32. Edify again each other. Bear one another up. Exhort one another Excite one another to love and to good works. To encourage one another. To pray for one another. Offer hospitality to one another. To fellowship with one another. We're supposed to demonstrate healing the sick. We're supposed to be casting out demons. Encouraging the hurting. Come on. Matter of fact, let me. I'm going to read right from what Jesus told us. We better be doing as believers. Not about all you ministers. Um, not ministers. All you. Um, see, I'm even involved in saying it too much. You pastors have to do this. I'm going to go to Mark. Matter of fact, why don't you turn there yourself. Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. It's the last chapter in Mark. So it's like right at the end of Mark. Mark chapter 16. And I'm just going to read verses 17 through 20. Mark chapter 16, verses 17 to 20. Everybody there? Is anybody there? (laughs) Okay. Well, there's a few people. And these signs will follow those who believe. Are you a believer? Okay, if you're a believer, here's what signs will be following you. Okay, this is written to you, so these signs will be following you. This isn't some faraway fairy tale thing that when you walk out of here, oh, that sounded really cool. These signs better be following you, and if they're not, there's something wrong with what you're doing. Here's the signs that better be following a believer or are following a believer. Jesus said they are following a believer. So if you're not in these signs, then maybe you just need some help or some growth or some equipping or some things happening. But here's the signs that better be following you eventually as you mature. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. Have you been doing that lately? They will speak with new tongues. Oh, I don't like it. It's kind of spooky. It doesn't matter if you think it's spooky. God Jesus said you better be doing it. They will take up serpents, so any deadly thing of the enemy isn't going to hurt you. They will And if they drink anything deadly, it will no mind, by no means hurt them. So you know, why do you think you pray before a meal? Come on, those who are in Haiti, you know why you pray before the meal? Because once you lift it up and you put it in this sanctified body that the Holy Spirit lives in, even if it's poison, it's not going to hurt you. And, you know, here's another thing. I'm going to stop right in the middle of there. Sickness in the Greek has two meanings. And the second meaning means it's a sinner. And so when we accept sickness on ourselves and say that's ours, we're accepting something that God never intended for the body. I get frustrated with Christians who say, well, I'm sick. And they're sick all the time. If you're sick all the time, you may need to get something right with Jesus because the vessel belongs to the Holy Spirit. And you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. And if you're always sick, then you've invited something into your system. And you need to get yourself straightened out. I get people come up to me and we pray and they get healed. Then they walk out and they go home and they're sick again. And then they come with another ailment. And we pray for them. They get healed. And they go out. And they go home. And they get sick again. Do you think that there might be something wrong there? Because you're supposed to. Let's go on. They'll drink anything deadly. It won't by any means hurt them. They will be the ones laying hands on the sick. And they will recover. Well, if you can't even recover, it says all believers are supposed to be laying hands on the sick. And they shall recover. Lay hands on yourself if you're always sick. My goodness. They will lay hands on the sick. and They will. Some of them will. They will recover. All believers should be doing this stuff. And if you're not, let's get on with it. Let's start. Let's go from, okay, maybe you haven't been... Maybe I haven't been a good equipper or maybe you haven't been equipped good. And maybe your nets have holes in them. Let's start mending up those nets and let's start doing what we need to do to become fishers of men. Let's start doing the stuff that God says we should be doing. Here's what happened in the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, the sin that happened in the Garden of Eden was this. It wasn't adultery. It wasn't lying. It wasn't stealing. It wasn't sexual morality. I'm going to tell you what the... The original sin was, it wasn't believing God's words. Because God said something to them, they didn't believe it, and they did something else. And I'm telling you something that Jesus is telling you you should be doing, and if you're doing something else, it's better to get this straight now. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they, the believers, here's what they did after Jesus was gone. The believers went out, they went out and preached to everywhere. They preached where? Everywhere. The Lord. Working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Signs and wonders and miracles followed them because they were preaching the word of God and doing the job that they were called to do. You want to see miracles in your life? Start doing what you're called to do. The Holy Spirit will confirm all that stuff. The reason why the shadow of Peter was healing people is because he was so filled with the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit radiated on him so far that it began to touch people from a distance. That's who we are. That's who you've been called to. And I know... I know some of us have not been there. It's okay. Because we're not going to put you in condemnation. All I want to do is get you into conviction. And if I can get some folks convicted today and draw them into their purpose and destiny, then I've done my equipping duty today. All of you are ministers, every single one of you. Our ministers. And by the seed that you sow, you will reap. This is uh, something I wrote when I was going through Song of Songs, but I just want to read it. It says, We are created to become holy partners with Jesus, touching others with the love that flows from his heart. We are drawn into intimacy so that we will be partners in his ministry. If you receive the gift, you've been called to be a minister. Father God, right now I just ask, Lord, love on them, Touch them. Let them see that they have a purpose and a desire and a plan that you've given them that needs to be fulfilled and why they're on this earth. Help them to touch the dying, the hurting, the sick. Help them to be about their business. Get their eyes off themselves and onto you. Let their focus become so focused on you, intimate with you, one with you. Let their purpose and desires become one with your purpose and desires. Let their love become one with your love. Let them be your hands and your feet. Let them be the salt and light on this earth at this time. Let them be earth shakers and earth movers for your kingdom. Let the kingdom of God so flow in them right now that even by their shadow people will be healed and touched by you. I say, fire God come. Fire of God, come now. Can everybody stand, please? I'm just going to call forth the fire of God, the Holy Spirit fire of God, to reignite within this place, reignite within each heart and mind. Reignite. Take, and those that are on fire for you already, add a few more pieces of wood, Father. More. More. Fire of God, come. Fire of God, come. Touch them mightily. Let them understand and know that they're created for something Bigger than where they are. Something greater. You've got great destiny and purpose for them. You even said in your word that it's exceedingly, abundantly, above anything we could ever think or ask or know. Thank you, Lord. You said that our eyes have not seen, nor our ears heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things that you have prepared for them who love you. But then you said also that your Holy Spirit will make these things real to them. Let that power of the Holy Spirit begin to just saturate this place right now. Begin to shake in this place. Come, let the fires of the Holy Spirit begin to blow in this place right now. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Begin to cry out to them yourselves. If I could have uh, um, someone from the worship team come and play quietly. I don't know, Amy's back there. If you could come, Amy. Amy. Um, We're going to close, but I want you to cry out. This isn't about a good message today. This is about you crying out for more, about you coming into your purpose and destiny even more. And You may say, well, I've been there. I've been in my purpose and destiny. Well, he wants to do more because it's exceedingly abundantly above what you can think or ask. It's bigger. As big as you can think, you can't think big enough. So I say more, more on you. Let the seeds of their life begin to blow through Benzie County and Manistee County and Grand Traverse County. Let the seeds of their life begin to be light and salt in this area. Let them be on fire with the love of God. Let it touch others. Let their ministry, their destiny, begin to flow. Souls for the kingdom through their ministry disciples made for the kingdom of God through their ministry. More. More. Come on, you were created for this. You know it. You know you were created for this. You know that when you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior that there was something big that he had in store for you. You know it. Don't run anymore. Jump in. Dive in. Let the fire of God's Holy Spirit begin to burn all that dross, all that flesh. All your own selfishness, go in Jesus' name. And those sicknesses that some of you take on every week or every two weeks, lay hands on yourself. Take communion. There's healing in communion, there's healing in Jesus Christ. He never created you to be sick, He created you to be a minister. Here's what's happening in the churches. We all come and try to feel good because we're hurting so much. Instead of trying to go and touch others who are hurting and be about the business of ministering the gospel to others, it's all about fix me, take care of me, oh woe is me. You've got the Holy Spirit of the living God in you. How dare you? How dare you downgrade the Holy Spirit? Like that? be like those in the garden Adam and Eve who said I'm not going to believe what the word of God says I'm going to do what I want to do follow what the word of God says follow his word follow his direction of his Holy Spirit follow what he says for you to do here's what King Jesus said at the end before he went to heaven he says go and make disciples then he said he's going to come back and receive us again to himself he never changed that order That order has never been changed to any of you. Ever. There's no addition saying, up, Neil, you don't have to make disciples. It's not in there. Every one of you has been called to that. It's time to rise up, church. Rise and shine for the glory of the Lord is upon you. Rise and shine, church. Rise and shine, cornerstone people. Rise and shine. Come on. It's time. It's time. No more playing Christianity. No more playing games. He's saying, who is for me? Who is for me? Who's willing to lay down their lives for me? Who's willing to lay it all down for the kingdom of God? Calling you, I'm saying, I'm calling you into my kingdom. I'm calling you into my business. I'm calling you into the works that I have for you. The decision today is: are you gonna do it? Or are you gonna do what you want to do? See, that's the difference between works and grace. Grace is a free gift. But are you going to do the work of the ministry? Lay down all the selfishness now in Jesus' name. There's somebody right here who's really struggling with that right now. In the name of Jesus, I speak life over you. I speak the abundant life of God in Jesus' name. What I think of how we're going to end this, is we've got some anointing oil. And the anointing oil, the it says that Jesus Christ is Lord. Christ means the anointing or the anointed one. The Holy Spirit has caused, come to anoint you into your purpose and destiny. If I can get um, one of the deacons or a couple of deacons up here right now. Can I get a couple of deacons to come forward? Uh, Dennis is right up here in the front. Um, let's see, Tom's in the classroom back there. That's your Dave. <laughs> and I'm going to ask you to open up this anointing oil. And as each one comes up, I want you to touch them with the anointing oil as a sign or a picture of the anointing of the Holy Spirit in you. As a sign or a picture that you're coming to get a fresh touch, a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit's and your work in you. And that you're going to lay down all flesh all fleshly desires and be about the business that you're called to do so you could begin two lines and all they're going to do is just anoint you with the oil there's not going to be a lot of heavy stuff but